Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for, Lord, just the worship songs that we were able to sing to you, Lord, and just worship you in song. And Lord, just uh, praise you. And Father, as we continue to worship you through the reading and teaching of your word, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified, that, Lord, you would just guide and direct this time. And Father, I just so thank you that we can gather together and praise and worship you and that we can, Lord, just have this time. So I pray again that you would bless this time. We want to give it to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I love studying Peter. I love just looking at, at him because, you know, Peter was, as he starts out here, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we know that, you know, a lot of times with Paul, he had to kind of defend his apostleship, but not with Peter. You know, Peter was one of the, the original 12. Peter was one of the, the three that was really the closest to Christ that when, you know, we, we see there was times where just Peter, James, and John would get alone with Christ. And, you know, it's often been said that, that maybe Christ kept them close to him because of what they were going to do. And Peter was certainly one of those that, you know, we see Peter that he, you know, a man of great faith, but a, a man that, that blew it. And I, I like that because that gives me hope. And, you know, when you look at Peter and, and see some of that, but uh, just uh, looking at, at him and these, the encouragement that we hopefully are going to get from this passage this morning of looking at how much our God loves us. I mean, we sang those songs, we look at that, and, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to, to sing those songs and, and not really penetrate our hearts. But, man, there's such truth and there's such beauty in those songs. And, and as we look at this, we're going to talk some about that. So we look at, who is Peter writing to here? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims, in the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asaia, and Bethany. So he's writing to those that have been dispersed and those that have been scattered. The NIV says, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout these cities. And so I, I like that, that we are strangers in this world, that we are just sojourners. And we'll, we'll talk about that, that this is not our home, really, this is just we're going we're just going through here and you know a few years ago I was flying to Dallas and you know when you check your bags they always ask you is Dallas your final destination I said Lord I hope not <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> today yes that's where I'm going <laughs> but my final destination is heaven that I am going to be I don't either go to heaven or Dallas I don't know but uh, <laughs> I don't, want, I don't want Dallas to be my final destination. I want heaven to be my final destination. But when we look at that, we are pilgrims. We are strangers. We, this is really not our home. And I, my wife and I, we watch a lot of the home improvement shows. You know, and, and a lot of times they say, this is going to be their forever home. No, this is not my forever home. You know, I hope to either be raptured or die in the place that I'm at. I don't want to ever want to move, but that's not my forever home. 
But the problem with watching those, though, is then your wife gets all these ideas. <laughs> yeah, we're about to remodel again. So <laughs> pray for her. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as, you, as we look at this, sometimes we get so attached to these things. And these guys, because of their faith, because of, of following Christ, they were scattered from their home. They were in places that they never thought they would be or wanted to be necessarily. And, you know, that happens in our lives as well. As we follow Christ, he's going to take us places that maybe we never planned on being, never wanted to be, but it's the best place to be. That this is not our home, that our home is in heaven. And we'll look at this a little bit more as we go through this. And as he goes through here, elect according to to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Do you know that God knows everything? That God knows the end from the beginning? That God knows everything that can happen? And I know sometimes we, we read elect and we get kind of freaked out but listen it's God that calls us it's God that our salvation started within the heart and the mind of God that it's him that calls us it's him that reveals it to us and in this one small verse here just these few words we see the trinity we see God the father we see the Holy Spirit at work in our life we see Jesus Christ making that way for us, that we see God calling us by his knowledge, his foreknowledge, that God wants a relationship with each one of us, that he calls us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Again, the NIV says, Father, through the sanctifying, God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and obedience to Jesus Christ by the sprinkling of blood. That it's the Holy Spirit then that sanctifies us, that works in our life to purify us, to, to separate us, and to do that work in our life. You know, the Holy Spirit guides and directs us as we put our faith in Jesus Christ to change us, to refine us, to, to do that work in our life. That he gives us that power to walk in the fullness of life, to walk in the in this Christian walk that he's called us to, and it's all through the blood of Jesus Christ because of that sacrifice that our Savior made on the cross, that that sprinkling of blood. And, you know, thinking about that, of, of talking to these Jewish Christians, that as Moses was there in the desert, as he was consecrating the people and, and the tabernacle there, for the service of God that he took and he sprinkled the blood to cleanse, to purify. And that was the blood of bulls and goats that we're told cannot take away the sins, but was a covering for their sin. The blood of Jesus Christ takes away that sin. That we are holy and righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we can walk in the fullness of that because of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, and that's all because of the calling of Jesus Christ, of God, the elect. And <clears throat> listen, 
God says, we're told that whoever comes to me, I will not turn away. I love that verse where Jesus tells them that all that come to me, all the Father gives to me, I will lose none of them. That God will not lose us and that it's his will that all. We're told that whosoever comes. So, you know, if you get freaked out about the election and you're wondering, well then come and accept Jesus Christ. You're one of the elect. It's that simple. It's through the blood and through the faith we'll see here in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, grace to you, that love and favor of Jesus Christ, of God, be towards you, that brings peace and peace be multiplied, that that peace then is multiplied. I love that because it's when God does something, he does it big, that he doesn't give us just a little that he multiplies that, that we have that grace and that peace in our lives, that we not only have the peace with God, but we have the peace of God living in our life, giving us that peace that transcends all understanding, that no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're going through, we can have that peace through the grace and mercy of God, that he gives that to us, that he works in our lives, and that he you know, that he does that. And listen to what Peter goes on here in, in verse 3. As he thinks about that, I think it, it brings about that, that attitude of praise and worship in his life. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the dead. That... As you think about that, he's going, blessed be to God that he called us, that he, through Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, not because we deserved it, not because of anything that we did, but because of God's mercy, then he has called us to a living hope. Our hope is in a living Savior, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We know that he was crucified, that he shed his blood for our sins, that he shed his blood to, to purify us from sins. We are told that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So Jesus Christ shed his blood that you and I might have a relationship with him and that it's through his abundant mercy, but it's that living hope that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. We, we sang about that a little bit ago, that in three days he walked right out, that to, and he's there at the right hand of God interceding for you and I. That we, live, that we serve a living Savior. You think of the other religions. The one they worship is dead. They're a grave. He's still there. But our Savior is a living Savior. He is, we have that living hope. And that through that, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead... Then he said that if I'm raised again, we will be raised again. We have that living hope. We have that promise. We have that assurance that we have eternal life. And listen to what he goes on to say here. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That we have this inheritance through Jesus Christ, that we have been adopted into the family of God, that we have that inheritance. And 
The unique thing about this inheritance is we get it when we die. That we're not waiting for some rich uncle to die to give us something, which I don't have. But if you know one, maybe they'll adopt me. But Jesus Christ already has. So I have that inheritance that is undefiled, that is incorruptible, that it doesn't fade away, and that it has that reservation, that I have a reservation in heaven. And guess what? God never loses a reservation. You may go to a motel or get a car and they go, I don't have your reservation here. That's not our God. Our God will not lose your reservation. That he is there and think about this. They're in heaven where it's perfect. Where it's, I can't even fathom what heaven's going to be like. You know, we get glimpses of, of that in scripture. And we have some things that, that he tells us, I think, so that we can relate to that. But yet, can you imagine where there's no more sin, there's no more sorrow, there's no more illness, that we are in a perfect place that does not fade away, that it's perfect, that it's going to be perfect for eternity, that it's not going to be corrupted, that it's not going to fade, that we have that inheritance in heaven. And he goes here on here in verse 5. It is who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, it's kept by God himself. Again, God has never lost anything. God has never misplaced anything. That our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ, in God. Through faith, the only part that we play in this is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Is that putting our faith in Him and letting Him do the work of salvation in our life. The work has been done. When Jesus was on the cross and He said, it is finished, the work of salvation was done. All we have to do is accept that and put our faith in Jesus Christ and walk in that and let him through the Holy Spirit then do that sanctifying work and change us and make us into what God intended for us to be, that it will be revealed through that, that, that salvation is, is secure, kept by the power of God. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing that can snatch us out of his hand, we're told. That God has you. That we can rest assured in that if we have truly put our faith in a risen Savior. That we can have that assurance. That we can have that living hope. That we, we don't have to wonder. That we have that inheritance that is kept by God in heaven, our salvation. And he goes on here to say, because of that, in this, you greatly rejoice. That as we think about that, as you think about what God has done, hopefully that brings about praise and glory and just that we worship because of what God has done in our life and because what God is continuing to do in our life, that God is going to... We're told that he who began a good work would see it through to completion. 
that God has us, that God's going to do that. And so we greatly rejoice in the fact that our salvation is secure, that God has us. And that, but then he goes on, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. He's reassuring them that just because you're going through hard times, just because you're going through trials, just because things don't seem the way that you think that they should be, God's got this. God has you. That for a little while, we're going to experience trials. We're going to experience heartache. We're going to experience things in our life that is going to test our faith, we'll see. That's going to cause us to hopefully draw closer to the Lord, to really solidify that faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And when you think about a little while, this life on this planet is just for a little while. Heaven is for eternity. And so when we keep our eyes upon the Lord, when we keep our eyes upon the one who is keeping us, the one who's working in us, then we can walk through the trials and tribulations of this world and keep our eyes and our focus upon the Lord. I like what David says in, in Psalm 23, that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. That God, I'm going to walk through the valley, but God, you're going to walk through it with me. That God, you're not necessarily going to take me out of the valley, but you're going to see me through the valley. I'm going to be on the other side of this at some point, whether it's here now or in heaven. I don't know, but there's going to be, God's not leaving us. And even though there's times in our lives where maybe we feel like, God, where are you? God, again, like David, God, it seems like you're on the other side of the universe. God, I don't understand why this is going on in my life. God, I don't get it. And yet, he comes back to the point of, God, you're in control. God, you have my life. It's going to be okay. And that as I keep my eyes on you, it's going to be okay. Because he goes on there to say in 7, though we go through these various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that, per that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, the things that we're going through and as God burns those things away that needs to be taken away out of our lives, that when we see Jesus Christ at his revelation, we're going to see it was all worth it. No matter what we went through, no matter what happened in our lives, that walking with the Lord, no matter what that causes, that God is testing our faith. Not so that we know that our faith God knows, but yet in those times when we walk through those trials, it's going to do one or two things. It's going to draw you closer to the Lord or you're going to go away. And that's testing our faith. Is it genuine? Is it real? Why are we following Christ? We've been looking at that here 
for a little while, you know, as Pastor Pat's been going through John, that we, we, you know, why do we follow him? Because hopefully it's because he is worthy of our praise, that he's worthy of, of everything, and that we need to praise him even when we're being tested by fire, if you will, when those things are burning away, those things that need out of our lives. And sometimes those trials are just because we live in a fallen world. You know, and the thing that I love about Peter is Peter understood trials. He understood those things. And guess what? There's times Peter failed. And you know what? As you walk through this life and as we walk through with the Lord, there are times that we are going to fail. That we are not always going to be where we need to be. But I love the fact and that's another reason that I love to look at Peter's life because we see Peter many times fail. But the thing that we see is God, Christ never pushed him away. I think Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter, no, no way. And we know Peter denied him three times. And I I just kind of look at that scene where we said that, that Jesus locked eyes with him as he's there in the courtyard. And I just can't help but think that that was just a look of, Peter, I love you. Peter, it's going to be okay. And the reason I can be assured of that is because after the resurrection, what did Jesus do? He sought Peter out. And he one-on-one -on -one said, Peter, I love you. Peter, I forgive you. Peter, you're going to be, the, you're the rock. You know, that look at how God used Peter in, in the church. I mean, the day of Pentecost, he, he taught that message of, and thousands came to a saving knowledge. And we see that, you know, even after the Holy Spirit, that still there was there's times of failure. And I want to encourage you today that if you go through those times, come back to the Lord, repent of, him, of those things, and let him restore you because he wants to. He wants to restore you. And that we're going to fail. We're going to sin. But I love 1 John 1, 9. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So just because we have failed at things doesn't mean that all is lost. Why? Because we're kept by the power of God. It is his work that is at work in us. And it's just our faith that we put faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And we can have that living hope again, that assurance that God is going to do that work in our lives. And we're going to praise, give praise and all honor and glory to Jesus. Hopefully we're doing that now. That as we think about the things in our lives, that it brings us more and more to a point of praise and glory to our Lord. Not to what we have done, but to what, for what he has done. Peter goes on to say here, whom having not seen, you love. Though now 
you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Peter walked with the Lord. Jesus, he walked with Jesus during Jesus' ministry. He was ministered to directly by Jesus. But he's saying, how much greater is our faith in that we walk without seeing him? But we do see him. But we see him alive and working in our lives to do that work in our lives. That as we may not see him physically, but you know what? In those times of trials, that I, the things that I've been through, some of the things that you know I had absolutely no control over, I hate that because I'm a control freak. But I know that God has it. And it's during those times that you look back and you see God's hand at work in your life and you see God work, pulling and doing things that you never thought possible, that it builds your faith and it does work in you, that it then you just break out with joy inexpressible and full of glory, that we can't even explain that joy that God brings. You know, it's hard to explain to somebody the joy and the peace that God brings into your life because that's something we can only experience by putting faith in our Savior. And as we walk with Him and see Him working in our lives, then we bring glory to God, that we have that joy and we have that peace that only God can have. And then He goes on to say, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. That our faith brings about that salvation that is available to anyone. All they got to do is come and put your faith in Jesus Christ and accept that gift that he has given us, that salvation that he has provided, that he has, doing, he has done the work. It's just us accepting that and walking in that. <clears throat> of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who is in them was indicating that when he testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that would follow, the prophets giving God's word to us, God's will. And it had to be a little confusing to some of them, don't you think? Because... On one hand, they're talking about this Savior that's coming, this Messiah that's coming to rule and reign. And on the other hand, they're talking about a suffering Messiah, one that was going to come and suffer and die. And that had to be a little confusing to them. And, you know, some things in the Scripture that we read, we may not see clearly, just as I don't think they saw that clearly. But we see it clearly. Why? Because we have the honor of seeing the suffering Messiah who came and suffered and died for our sin. And so we know that because of his resurrection that there will be a time when Jesus Christ will come and rule and reign and be that leader that they were looking for and that we're looking for. So there's, you know, again, there's times in Scripture that we search and we look and, and maybe we can't put it all together. But by faith, we know that God never contradicts himself, 
that God has this under control. And so there's, there is no contradictions in our scripture. There is no contradiction, but there may be in our understanding of things. And just as it says the prophets long to look into that, but yet we can see it clearly because of where we are, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the promise that he made, that if I go to the Father and I prepare a place for you, I will come again to take you where I am. That we have that promise, we have that assurance that God, our salvation is secure in that. And the beauty of it is, guess what? We don't have to understand everything because we never will. But by faith, we put our faith in the one that we haven't seen, but we know the truth and we walk in that. And then he goes on here to say, to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. That he's saying that it's revealed to us by those that God has sent to minister the gospel. As we share the gospel through the working of the Holy Spirit, that it is the Holy Spirit that is going to convince people of this truth. But it is our job to give the gospel. And I love that, that it's, you know, it's revealed to you by those who have sent to preach the gospel to you through the Holy Spirit. That it's not us. That it's all about Him. And it, I like that. The things which angels desire to look into. I think the angels look down and say, God, are you sure you're going to use Him? Are you serious? There's got to be a better way. Do you want me to go down and fix what He's messing up here? God says, I got this. That it's through I love, I love the scripture says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about what he's done. And God just wants to use us in whatever capacity that is. That he has given us gifts. That he has given us what we need to carry out what he wants in our lives. That I just want to be in obedience to what God wants. I just want to be walking in the Spirit. And I love when the fact is that I don't have to do it perfectly. That God is not going to reject me. That God is not going to push us away. That God, it was His idea to start with. That He is calling us. And He wants to do a work in each one of our lives. And He wants to refine that faith. He wants to refine that so that we have that assurance. And that He gets the glory and that we can praise and worship him. And the beauty of it is that we can have that right now. That we don't have to wait till we are in heaven to worship and praise him and to walk in the fullness of life because we can do that right now through the Holy Spirit. Through, you know, I, I love to gather together and, and sing those worship songs, it is just beautiful. And I want, you know, how much greater is that going to be we're in heaven 
because you guys are going to all have perfect voices then. But, <laughs> but, but it's good. But we can. But the beauty of it is, we don't have to have God hears perfectly, and we can worship Him. He's looking at the heart, and He's looking at the way. And isn't it beautiful that we can gather together and worship Him in song and in His Word, and that we can give Him the honor and the glory for all the good things that he's doing and look forward to what he has in store for us, the revealing of our salvation through simply putting our faith in a risen Savior. Let's stand up and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the assurance that I can have that you are not going to let me go. That God, you have called me, you have redeemed me, you have saved me. And through that, Lord, I can have the redemption of my soul. And Father, I do look forward to that time when there is no more sin. And Father, we love you. Lord, I just praise you for giving us this word. And Lord, that you have done the work. So Lord, just help us to walk in that and help us to glorify you in the things that we do. And so, Father, this morning, I just want to love you and say, praise you, Lord. And this morning, if you're here and you've never made that profession of faith, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity that you can experience that joy unspeakable and that you can walk with him and he can do a work in your life. So you can say this prayer with me. Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. And I want you to come into my life. I want to experience that forgiveness. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to do a work in my life. I want you to guide, direct me, and forgive me. I want you to be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.